So how do you choose a spiritual father? That's a hard one. Um, you've been to a few parishes. It's not like a parish competition. Um, I think um, from my perspective it was easier in terms of I came to this parish from when I was young and you took me to Yaron there was that working kind of progression but also through things like summer camps where we got closer and we were able to um, really talk about things in an orthodox environment so the choice for me was a, wasn't really a choice, it was a natural progression. But that is, a, that is a, a big point. How would you find would be the best way to, let's say talking from somebody who doesn't have a spiritual father, how would they go about that process of finding one? I mean, the way you explained it makes sense. So where I would first initially try to find peace in the church, where can I pray? Um, and when I find peace in that church, then I might be bold enough to um, ask whoever is the priest of that church, or then there might be more than one at that time, and and see from there. It, mine would be the way you explained it, I think, is the perfect scenario that you were friends with that person first, even though he's a priest and you're a lay person. Um, the friendships that we built up in summer camp, which I think are very important, um, develop the orthodox identity, made you feel comfortable to be orthodox. The ability to not have the answers to every question, I think, is important because they shouldn't be like that because then the other person will be coming out with difficult questions instead of just how to live, really. It's just like it'd be a competition of what can I ask him and see you challenge them and stuff like this. When I was seeking mine... Um, It would be someone that I have to look up to. It sounds really charismatic, but it wasn't like that. It was one that I've felt that um, it, I, I will be drawn to the fact that I, not an aspiration to mimic that person, but... Um, the person that will bring the best out of me. Um, remind me of what I am doing instead of what I'm not doing. Because in a spiritual environment, whatever it is, imagine what it is, I could really be good at sweeping the church. That's it. Imagine if the spiritual, the priest said to me all the time, you're the best sweep, you know, you're really good at sweeping the church and really encouraged me to sweep the church. And I got excited to come to church after the liturgy. I will sweep the church, I will sweep the church. Eventually, that will give me a spiritual life. And all I'm doing is sweeping the church because of the environment, the opportunity for discussion, maybe what I'm going to hear. 
You will see this from a film called Karate Kid. When someone went to learn karate, he was expecting to be shown all these moves and how to go. And with the, in his heart, he had vengeance. So the master, I think it's Mickey Wacky, Wacky Mickey, Miyagi, yeah. Um, Miyagi, he, he knew that if he chose, if he showed him karate with hatred and vengeance and anger in this boy's heart, he would just get himself into trouble. He had to humble him first. He had to give him peace. That's what God said to the apostles. Peace be with you when he showed himself after the resurrection. You're not going to accept what I'm going to say if you don't have peace. He showed him things that even got the other person frustrated. The spiritual children get very frustrated. Because I have said to people, I do choose who I'm going to see and not. Continual. Spiritual child is totally different to hearing a confession. Spiritual child, I am tied to you for life and I will pray for you when I'm not even here in an afterlife. I have in my prayer book, my personal prayer book, I have spiritual children, so they're constantly prayed for. It's a totally different concept to hearing someone's problem or hearing a confession. You know, someone, they might not, especially now in the pandemic, for example, you know, there was a lot of people that can't get to their spiritual fathers. And, and will come here. I just hear the confession, and I will give them the prayer of forgiveness. But I will not advise them. I will just remind them, what would your spiritual father say to you now? I'm not here to contradict or change a relationship that they already have, thinking that I'm a surrogate spiritual father and I know everything. This could be a lot of this could be a lot of pride. We have to very be careful. So when I was looking for a spiritual father, I was looking for someone that um, I saw things that I could aspire to um, and encouraged me in the things that I was good at because I needed to be encouraged. don't need to always be told I'm not good at this and not good at that. Those, the things that I'm not good at would have automatically changed because I've become better at the things that I am good at the better version of my already self, not changing me, the better version of my already self. Um, so, yeah, for me, I had to have, I have to be able to know that if they say something, I would trust them. Um, it's a really, it's, it's a difficult one, really. But I always say to people, especially if I've never seen them before, that we can try it. And it's not automatically that you will be, because if I see you're not listening and it's not working, I would just say to you, really, it's best that you kind of, um, I won't stop them coming to the church, but it, I definitely won't consider them as a spiritual child. Um, Christoph, you made a good point. It's a free decision from both parts, as opposed to uh, a forceful thing that is, the church, you know, pushes and uh, really not not pushes or encourages, but more forces someone into. It's a free decision between two people. Yeah, I mean, it can be that it seems it's convenient if the priest that you go to church does everything for you, one stop shop, one stop shop. You know, prays with you, gives you communion, hears your confessions, supports you. You know, it seems, but. It's not unusual, which is not a Tom Jones song. Um, it's 
that you can have someone that's not even in the country and it might be someone that you don't see as regular um, not because you you got secrets for example now this might be very controversial and might even get me into I don't think it would get me into trouble but it might say that I don't know what I'm doing um, I don't necessarily have to understand what the person is saying clarifying what I mean is if someone has a different language I'm always saying that they're confessing to Christ they're not confessing to me and this opportunity that's been given to them by God the confidence to come in front of someone is not for them to hear and justify themselves for me to pat them on the back and say they're a fantastic Orthodox person they're talking to Christ and I say to them you can confess in your own language a language that I might not know. Any points that you feel that you need support with, then you can say in the language that I do understand so I can support you. But I will hear confessions and people will say it in their own language. And I won't judge them. I'm still dealing with it. I'm still attentive. I'm still focused. I'm still praying while they're talking. It's not an opportunity for me to look at my emails while someone is confessing in a different language. I have to encourage them to have an independent life, a bespoke one-to-one -one life with Christ. They can't be attached to me. I can't make it that they can only do things, you know, because I, they're waiting for me, my last breath. What am I going to say? What am I not going to say? God is talking to all of us constantly, 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 already through the mentors of the church, which we call the saints of the church. God is glorified in his saints. And really, I'm not here as a narcissistic person to have, and I don't go to the archbishop, I'm not on a bonus and say, oh yeah, um, it's, it's like a Facebook thing. How many spiritual children have you got? How many of you got? Oh, uh, my last count is this. And what is, it's, it's not like that. Imagine having one spiritual child and saving that child and the child saving you, rather than just saying that you've got so many people on your books. Because that's a complaint. You know how hard it is to fit everybody in? You know, it's not that easy. So you have to really understand what confession really is about in the first place, honestly. You mentioned independence a couple of times. Already. Yeah. Um, is that, from an orthodox perspective, is that essential? It needs to be one-on-one. -on -one. You can't have... It's not because obviously there are, there are a lot of very good orthodox talks on Facebook and YouTube, and you know very um, impressive speakers that you do get inspired by and advice from, even though it's one way. How it, is that enough in orthodoxy, or does it have to be more than that? Does it have to be a two-way thing? Of course, it's. It's two ways in the fact that we look, you know, Peter was walking on the sea and then he started to drown. He put his hand out. It was a two-way thing. God dragged him out. You're learning to ride a bike. You've got someone holding the saddle for the beginning, but eventually they're going to let go and you're going to cycle yourself. They're not going to follow you wherever you cycle all the time. So that support is always there. I think there was this kind of card that they always show that something, walking on the beach, 
and suddenly there's footsteps next to them to show their support and then there isn't footsteps and to show that God doesn't abandon us um, but you will see that there was always an independence because he will say to them what do you want me to do do you want to be healed do you believe I can help you your faith has helped you. Your belief has helped you. Their independence had helped them. It wasn't actually, you know, the, the encouragement might have been there, the movement of people, other things happening. They saw some things, or oh, that can happen to them. The woman that just touched his garment believed that she would be healed from touching the garment. The centurion believed that his servant would be healed by God saying he will be healed. He didn't even say you have to go and see him. There has to be an independence. There has to be. That's what free will is. Um, but it doesn't mean walk alone by yourself and you know don't listen to anyone. The support is always there, of course. You know, you've set up your own home, but you're independent there. You're not ringing every time saying, can I switch the light off, can I put the light off? But you know there's a support there if something happens and this and this. You're independent within a supportive system. And it's the same, the church is this. When I encourage independence, it's not because I don't want to not see that person again. Their independence will, bring, uh, will enrich their life and our relationship is not like that. It's not when i pushing people to be independent. Is that if I go tomorrow, does that mean that that person won't be saved because they don't know what to do now? That's what we do as parents sometimes when we spoil because we, we need the other person um, to need us and we become that's psychological bullying that's very very that really scars people they lose their identity and they morph into the other person but if you see the billions and billions of people on the earth no one is a photocopy of another person we're not even a photocopy of a saint and unfortunately we read those books thinking that we can become a photocopy of that saint so that our own image will be put behind the image of that saint. But that's not it. It's not a filing system. We don't have a filing cabinet that says Ayos Nechtarios and then everybody else goes behind Ayos Nechtarios. We would have our own filing cabinet with our own face on it. And what would be in that cabinet would be our life. Not, I can't hide behind Ayos Nechtarios. Yeah. Just look at all the saints in the Orthodox Church. Everyone's different. Soldiers, teachers... Monks, priests, lay people, you know, completely different. So. And the greatest ones, you know, you've got Chrysostom and Basil. They weren't even, they didn't even do theology. They did philosophy. In that time in Greece, they only studied philosophy. So are the philosophers then not godly? They probably, but there wasn't the structure there. There was no grammar to their thinking. There was no humility to their thinking. It became... Humility is a big one as well. Um, because if reading Orthodox books, I probably would say love and humility are the two words, or the two goals that always, always, always come up. And... I feel like the relationship between spiritual father and spiritual child cultivates both of them. And that is the Orthodox community. 
humility, love, obedience, things like that. I feel like it's a natural thing in orthodoxy. Yeah. So much so that I can disconnect myself from my family so my family can benefit. It doesn't have to be that way because it's, because temptation and whatever, but I haven't ever asked my children to come to me for confession um, because maybe I, my, their stronger identity with me is that I'm their paternal father, that I'm their earthly father. Um, this is why we might say, why need a spiritual father? Why don't you just tell your mum and dad or your brothers and sisters? Because um, you're going to lie to them. There is, there's an increased opportunity that you would lie rather in the church, the increased opportunity that you will be honest, totally different. And it's the church. It's not the, that's the big difference. Jonah was preserved in the belly of the well. So was Pinocchio. He didn't die in the belly of the well. He was preserved. We don't die in the church. The church is the church of the resurrection. We come to life. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing, really. But for my wife that finds it hard, and maybe this, I do hear her confessions. She comes to me for confession. So how difficult it is for her, but hers is a true confession because she understands it's not me. Because she wouldn't be able to confess if she knew it was me. She truly believes she's confessing to God. And she's just using it as a convenience because she hasn't got the confidence and can't be bothered to go anywhere else and it's easier, it's here and stuff. How beautiful that she can actually truly believe in what would seem like a lazy attitude that the important thing is that she has this conversation with God, with a witness, to prove that it happened. How did we know that um, Moses really spoke to God? It was a burning bush. There was no one else there because he came back with these two tablets with ten rules on them. How did we know that God spoke to Abraham? Because he came back with Isaac because he was going to go and sacrifice him. Why did he bring Isaac back? Because God told him to. How did we know that uh, continually that there was these conversations? Because the sea was open. Christ was doing miracles. He wasn't doing it by himself. It was in Trinity. You know, so there has to be a witness or else it doesn't know that it happened. You know, it doesn't. We say this, I think, how do you know that a tree makes a sound? If no one is there to hear it. Yeah, when it falls or something. Yes, because if you look at the orthodox view of God himself, it's a relationship. It's a relationship of three persons in one God. Um, and you know that if we're trying to reflect and become the image and likeness of God, it requires us to be in a relationship with other people. I remember you saying that one of your talks uh, that heaven is a community, mm. hell is isolation. Mm -hmm. So you know this idea of community is a big one in orthodoxy. You know how frustrated we get when we ring someone and they don't answer their phone? They're screaming and shouting. Why aren't they answering their phone? Because we've got something so important. Imagine hell when you're screaming constantly and there's no one answering you back. 
No one's going to answer you back. You're going to be having so many things. No one's going to be answering you back. You're just going to be hearing screams and no one is going to console that scream and say, I'm in pain as well. They won't be able to hear. It's just a load of screaming, a load of noise. But yes, heaven is a community. Um, but you will see that really the the important thing is is, is all our actions really Christ-focused? And that's why I know that we can be judged as a church tradition because we have a lot of distractions. You know, these saints confuses people. Why don't you just ask God? Why are you going through his mother? Why are you going through this? Why are you going through that? Why do you need intercession? Because we need to be encouraged to be saved. It's a soft, soft approach. Of course it's simple. Of course the message is simple. God couldn't have made it even more simple and more humble. I mean, he, he humbled himself in a way that no one would ever, ever humble. We can't match this humility. It's impossible. We just haven't got this unconditional love. Um, so you will see that um, whatever it does to encourage us to be able to have this um, belief because you have to believe in something you have to have hope you do have to have hope um, and when we say things will get better doesn't mean that we get everything we want better means that we have accepted the way life is and it's all its trials and tribulations um, and the bigger questions that maybe we've come to another time about why does someone die at this age and someone dies at that age and why people got illnesses and what's going on? And... Thank you, Father.